You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, At the Sound of the Trump, Part 2 of 2. Enjoy. I think uh, what Joseph was saying about spending time with the Lord, I think the primary thing that he uh, reveals to us when we spend time with him is who he is and then who you are. Your identity it's so important that your identity is in Christ in these days. That it's not in your nation. It's not in your culture. It's not in your background. Your identity is not in your gender, but that your identity is in Christ. I love what Jen Tringale says. Um, she's visited here, ministered before. Um, but she, when she came to minister, she said, I don't elevate the fact that I'm a woman above the call that I have to minister. She doesn't elevate that she's female. It doesn't make a big deal of it at all. What's greater in her life is what she has been called to do in Christ. And so I encourage us to do this in this day because I believe that the Spirit of God is at work (laughs) in a major way in the earth right now. And if the Holy Spirit is at work, you can guarantee that the forces of darkness, we can see that are at work as well. So where there is uh, much sin, the Bible says grace abounds. And so the Holy Spirit in this time is ministering to people, bringing things to their attention, and getting them to consider things. Why? Because as Joseph said, and as the scriptures indicate, time is wrapping up. So find your identity in Christ. Let everything else go to the side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we had a great time last week. Um, Lots of great response, a lot of questions. How many of you guys went home and uh, studied some stuff? Anybody look up some stuff? It's exciting. It's very fun what we are, are seeing. We are a generation that is seeing the signs before the coming of the Lord, and we're going to talk about that today. But I wanted to share, last week I did Farmer Geddon. Everybody remember Farmer Geddon? I got one today. It's not so bad, but it's not, I don't know, we'll see. But you know, Joseph and I, who knows where we grew up? Anybody know? Yeah. Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania. That uh, little strip, uh, Interstate 79, goes from Pittsburgh up to Erie. We lived in like that region, Western Pennsylvania. And there, there are a lot of Amish. There are farms and rolling hills. If you've gone through Pennsylvania, it's beautiful farmland. And uh, you'd have to drive at least 30 minutes to get gas, maybe, where my, where my grandparents were. And if you wanted to go to a good mall, it would be like an hour or an hour and a half, maybe, to get to a good mall. It was really rural, really out there. It's beautiful, rural area, lots of hunting going on there. So I'm just going to suggest that if you, after hearing this today about the way things are turning out, if you don't feel like you're ready to go, you can just go to Western Pennsylvania because they've always been 20 years behind. That's the joke. And I can say that because I live there and I'm from there. <laughs> so if you're not ready, go live with the Amish. They're 20 years behind. <laughs> At least, right? Oh, my. How funny. Let's take a look this morning at the uh, scripture that we read last week, the principal scripture from 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, uh, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. This is from last week. 
I'm just going to refresh our remembrance for those of you who weren't here or didn't hear the message. It says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Don't sorrow like those that have no hope. You know, Joseph was talking about overcoming, overcoming COVID. Um, you know, our expectation in God is always great. And even if COVID, even if COVID would take its full effect in some of our situations, we have the victory. <clears throat> it's true. We have the victory in because we have victory over death in Christ. So I loved, uh, we met a guy years and years ago. His name is Patrick Norris. He's a pastor in, uh, excuse me, not Missouri. I think it's Missouri. I think it's like somewhere around there. Um, Patrick Norris, but he would talk about all the steps he would go through. Okay, if this happened, then this will happen. And increasingly, the, if this happened, would get would worse and worse. He'd say, okay, well, what if, um, what if this would happen, then this would be God's response. Well, what if that didn't happen and this happened, God would have a response. God always has a deliverance. God always has a salvation. So I don't care if you are maybe dealing with a diagnosis. This is kind of off the subject. But I don't care what the doctor has said to you. There's salvation for you in Christ. So have your hope. Have your hope fixed in Jesus and have your hope fixed on his promise. Just because something is said to you does not cancel what God has said concerning you. All right? As a matter of fact, what Jesus says cancels. Hello? His resurrection cancels death. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want us to be encouraged in this day. His resurrection cancels death in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I got stuck. Oh, man. Here we go. Let's keep reading. Is this? Uh, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, and we spend a lot of time talking about those vibrant, spiritually vibrant people who are pushing after Jesus, pressing after him, Um, to complete all that he's called us to do in this earth. We are the ones who are alive and the remnant who remain. I I have a little bit of an echo. What is that? You can fix fix that for me, Judah. Thank you. Um, Alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So we said that those who are in the graves will rise first. Those who are dead in Christ, asleep in Christ, they will rise first. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, With the voice of an archangel, we talked about that shout last week, being a military command, being a call to assemble the troops. Jesus is coming with a shout, the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. Trump meaning trumpet, meaning a blast, meaning the sound of assembly, meaning I've begun a campaign and I'm going to win. This is what Jesus is declaring when he comes for his church. Hallelujah. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. 17. Then we which are alive and remain, those spiritually vibrant, alive, going hard after Jesus and his kingdom, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. These are the people seeking the kingdom of God. And we will meet the Lord in the air. We'll be caught up together with him in the clouds. Meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I was excited last week to hear that many of you had a sense of, (laughs) should I say, relief? (laughs) 
<laughs> even to know what was taught last week, to know that the church, those of us who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with the Lord. And, and then we read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that after the church leaves, after the Holy Spirit with the church leaves, then the man of lawlessness will come into his position of power. So the interesting thing about this is that the rapture is silent, uh, signless. There are no signs to indicate to us when Jesus will come. But there are signs for the second coming. So we learned last week, this is our review, that there are two occurrences. There is the occurrence for the church, which is the rapture. The occurrence of the second coming is for Israel and other nations who come to understand Christ is Lord. Okay, so two events, rapture for the church, those of us who already know, those of us who are already um, establishing the kingdom in the earth by our lives, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, we go about, everywhere we go about, we carry the kingdom of God, hallelujah, glory to God. So there are two occurrences, the, the rapture for the church, the second coming for Israel and the nations. So we wanted to re remind that. So rapture, no signs, no indication, except that there is residing in us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit, right? So even why are we talking about this? I know a lot of churches actually are talking about this. And on the same Sunday that we began, there was another church that, that we follow and watch who also began. And I didn't know that they were going to teach on this. Why? Because the Spirit of God is bearing witness with those in his church to talk about this. Why? Because there's a witness that things are wrapping up, just as Joseph said. And when I was small, I would hear about this. People from generations from the times of the Bible were looking for the return of the Lord, right? But now we have indications uh, of signs noting the second coming. And if the second coming comes after the rapture and we're starting to see signs for the second coming, well, you've got to know the rapture could happen anytime. It's imminent. We, we would not know except by the witness of the Spirit of God who dwells inside of us. Now, if you don't have the Spirit of God, if you're not born again, you won't understand these things, and you won't know the signs. You won't know the understanding that this is time, that this is the time of the Lord's return. So if you're not born again, we're going to invite you to do that today, that the Spirit of God might dwell inside of you and be your teacher. Amen in these times. Hallelujah. Okay. So today, we are going to talk and spend a little more time on the second coming and the signs that are indicating that the second coming is near. So the rapture precedes the second coming by seven years. So we're going to talk about those signs. And again, I want you to be encouraged in this time. Remember what we just read in 18. Comfort one another with these words. There's no comfort if you're not in Christ. So those who are worried, we want to comfort them, but they're going to have to uh, understand what this is all about. This is going to sound crazy, but you may have to take the time to explain the scripture, explain <laughs> all of the timeline of history that existed before us and will continue after us. And I think that's just a great wise thing to do is to understand that the world is not about me. <laughs> the world is not all about me. So many of us so many of us work so hard to make me important. I'm talking about your own me. <laughs> we work so hard to 
protect me, defend me, build me up, but that will not do anything apart from Christ. It falls short. This world is not about you. <laughs> now, what God did in sending his son is about you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's about you. But apart from Christ, all of these efforts to protect ourselves, strengthen ourselves, build ourselves, defend ourselves against attack will all fail apart from Christ. I'm just saying. And so many of us spend, again, I just warn you, I guess I'm giving a little warning this morning to give more attention and more effort to exalting the Father, the reality of life, the reality of all history is that God is God. We're here for a brief time. And when we go, we'll likely be forgotten. <laughs> right? Yeah. We need to settle that inside of ourselves. And so I expend my whole self for the sake of Christ. Hallelujah. And my confidence comes from being in him. And my security comes from being in him. And I have no need to defend myself anymore because I'm loved by the Father. Hallelujah. What else do I need? Amen. Hallelujah. Ooh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We love your word. We eat your word. We live by your word. Our thoughts are in accordance with your word. Father, we align ourselves with the things that you are saying. And we see today that you are Lord over all time. Hallelujah. And you're Lord over our lives. And you are Lord over uh, the, the whole earth, Lord. You are God of all. And we thank you, Father, for understanding, giving us understanding by your word today concerning the days that we live in, Father. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear and a heart to understand and perceive your word this morning, Lord. And we thank you for the courage and the confidence we have in you, our soon-coming king. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's take a look. Is it crazy for us to think? Oh, this isn't it. That was reference. Is it crazy for us to think that God, Jesus, would expect us to know are we supposed to walk around not knowing anything? Are we supposed to walk around just kind of, I don't know, whatever happens, happens? No. There is an expectation that Jesus shared with his disciples that we should know the things, what the Father is about. Do you know that God shared his plans with Abraham? <laughs> when he was, God was planning to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and check that out there, and the, the, he decided that he would share with Abraham his plans. Come on now, from day one, father of the faith, Abraham, God is sharing his plans. It should be no different for us. If you think, if you're one who thinks, well, I don't have any idea, and how can you know? I want you to know that that's not scriptural. By scripture, God wants us to know his plans, and he's sharing them with us if we'll give attention, right? Like Pastor Joseph said this morning, if we'll give attention to it. 
You don't have to live your life not knowing what God is doing. You don't ever have to say, well, God works in mysterious ways. You don't have to know him that way. That's how a godless world understands him. But we, having the Spirit of God, who is our teacher, are being shown the things that are to come, is what the Spirit of God says. He will show us the things that are to come. And Jesus has an expectation that we should know. In Matthew 24, 32, if you're taking notes, Matthew 24, 32, he says to his disciples, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Jesus is explaining natural things to his disciples. When you see that tender branch and the leaves start to come out, you know summer is coming. In the same way, he's telling them you should understand and know what is happening. And that's why I'm here today. That's why we're teaching from this. Matthew 16, 3, he says, not only about plants was he explaining, he says about the weather. He says, in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, right? Red sky in morning gives sailor a warning. You guys know that? Red sky at night is sailor's delight, right? We even say that today. So he's saying, you understand the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. He's having an expectation that in him, we should know some things. <laughs> and how does that come about? By spending time in his word and in his presence, listening and learning. So we're to know. We are people who know and are discerning the signs of the times. All right. So the first, um, the first occurrence or sign that we want to talk about is in Jeremiah 30, verse 3. Can you guys go to that one? If you know the history of Israel, Israel was made a nation in 1948. Prior to that, Jews were scattered all over the world. They lived all over the place. Even in recent years, the Ethiopian Jews have been brought back to Israel by airlift. There's been some incredible um, occurrences in history where the Ethiopian Jews were airlifted in a short period of time to take them out of an unstable government and take them back to Israel. This is talked about in the Word. It's talked about and prophesied about in the book of Jeremiah. Israel was made a nation on May 14th of 1948. That's the first time since the time that God said to them, this is your land, that they came back and was made a nation in that time. All right, and the scripture that talks about this is here. It says, for behold, the days are coming. The days are coming says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people, Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Now, there's still lots of skirmishes, lots of um, uh, battling <laughs> as to what the boundaries are of this land. But in 1948, Israel, for the first time, fulfilled this prophecy by becoming a nation. Okay, what is another sign? In 1967, there was a six-day war. Anybody remember that? Was alive to remember it? Possibly. There was a six-day war where Jerusalem was under attack 
and trying to um, unseat Jerusalem as the center of Israel. There was a six-day war. It was fought between June 5th and 10th in 1967 against Egypt, Jordan, and Syria. They came against Jerusalem. And in just six quick days, how many days was the work of creation done in? Six, and then he rested on the seventh. In six quick days, Jerusalem was won back and belonged there, um, had control of the West Bank, East Jerusalem, and the Golan Heights. So all of that came back into the possession when it was um, contended for in 1967. What does the Bible say about that? Amos 9.15. If you're writing notes, this is a good day. I said last week, I'm a teacher. <laughs> so it's a good day to write some notes if you want to study it for yourself. And Jerusalem was won back in 1967. Amos 9.15 says, I will plant them in their land. I will plant them, right? Give them roots. I will no, no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. Hallelujah. So when it was contended for, those roots held strong and they remained planted, just like the Bible said. Let's go to another sign. It is concerning the Hebrew language. Let's read the scripture first of this one. Zephaniah 3.9. Zephaniah 3.9 says, For then, a time in the future, right, from the time of Zephaniah, for then... I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they all may call in the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. This verse is pointing to a day when the people all together would have a pure language. In 2018, as recent as 2018, um, Hebrew was taken and made a national language just as recent as 2018. Prior to that, there was Arabic. There was kind of different um, uh, dialects in the city or in the country of Israel. But this has now been made since 2018, just in the last two years, the official language of the state of Israel. It used to be reserved and kept as a sacred language, a language of, um, of worship, a language of um, coming together, right, in the temple. It was a sacred language. But now that language, the Hebrew language, has been given as the official language of the nation of Israel. Pretty amazing. I think that it wasn't just any language, but a sacred language. Hallelujah. A sacred language is now given as the official language of the nation. Praise God. That's a fulfillment of that prophecy. Um, another that we want to talk about. I love this. Let's go. Um, I'm going to read all of Isaiah chapter 35. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 35. I should have marked it. Here it comes. Hallelujah. The Lord is coming back. Okay. <laughs> let's read. Um, if, I don't have all of this on the scripture. I just have verse 7. But I want to read all of 35. Why do I want to do that? Because this church name is founded on this same chapter. So I just thought it would be good to read it. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. 
The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen you your weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong. Hallelujah. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Hallelujah. Come on, that's an encouragement, right? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. We heard that recently come across our airways. Don't be afraid. And right away, when a statement like that comes out in the airways, you can see people line up, I said, at home. Either here, how can that person say, don't be afraid? And the others who say, yes, don't be afraid. That word came out over our nation, and you saw the, you saw the lining up of different beliefs. Don't, you can't say, don't be afraid. The Lord says, don't be afraid. That should be a regular word in our mouths. We should be telling people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The Jesus has come. He's come to save you. Yes, all this craziness is coming on, but don't be afraid. The Lord will save you. Hallelujah. Have that don't be afraid in your mouth. Glory to God. Mm. Glory to God. Okay. <laughs> Okay, and verse 5 of Isaiah 35 says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Amen. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Verse 6, Then the lame man will leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. Does that sound like highway church? Hallelujah. Amen. It's coming. Verse 7. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of dragons, where each lay, shall be grasses with reeds and rushes. Verse 8, and a highway shall be there. A way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. Hallelujah. That is our chapter that we uh, got birthed. Joseph heard in his closet and was birthed this idea of this church. But uh, we want to look at verse 7. Can we put that up on there? Verse 7. It says, The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals, where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. There is a fulfillment of this chapter happening in Israel right now. And if you are knowledgeable about world events you may have heard about this also but in the early 18 excuse me the early 1900s some of Israel some of the Jews were coming back to this land and they had deserted it right or had been scattered from it years thousands and thousands of years ago but in the early 1900s they started to come back and when they came back they found nothing but dry desert parched land there was nothing uh of uh, milk and honey, <laughs> the Bible talks about. There was nothing anymore. The land was neglected. The land was not cared for. So they began to come back, and Israel is very innovative in agriculture, and of course in many, in many sciences also. Israel is putting 
out um, all kind, I mean, I think the vaccine that they're talking about, I think Israel has a hand in that also. So always on the forefront, always innovative, and they're no different concerning agriculture. So they use this innovative technology and applied it to agriculture, and now their agriculture has turned, literally turned that desert, just like it says, into a land of grasses and reeds. And they produce much of the food for Europe and Russia in that area. So Israel, although being so teeny, <laughs> is just popping out the food and vegetables for all these other nations. And that only occurred in this last uh, century, or in this last couple of decades, actually, because like I said, in the early 1900s, it was dry, but they started to turn it around. And if you go to Israel today and see it, you will be amazed at how lush and green it was. And just a few decades ago, it was not that way. It was not that way. So anybody reading the Bible prior to the 1900s would understand, oh yeah, that's a desolate, dry, parched land. Today, we're in a new day. It's a grassy day. And this is pointing to the return of the Lord. These fulfillments are pointing to the fulfillment or of that which we expect, the return of the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, I also want to talk about the Temple Mount. Let's look at Daniel. You can put that up, please. Daniel 9, 27. I'll read it from here. The New Living Translation says, The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. Okay? This is talking about the ruler, that man of lawlessness, talking about the time of the tribulation here. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. We've talked about that, the tribulation lasting seven years. But after half this time, the ruler will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. As a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. So this is talking about the seven years of tribulation that happens after the church is raptured. So this is a time of um, tribulation in which uh, God is dealing with Israel to bring them back. And this is talking about uh, sacrifices and offerings. Are they doing sacrifices and offerings in Israel anymore? They haven't for some time. But do you know that right now they are very much talking about in Israel, and they have built a new altar for the purpose of sacrificing animals again. And it's talking about that he will do that, right? The, the man of lawlessness will make a treaty with the people, okay? I'll let you do your thing. But after half of this time, he'll put an end to the sacrifices and the offerings, and he will put up some kind of object that will be a desecration to that altar. But right now, the Temple Mount is being, people are gathering, and people are funding, and people are building, and preparing for the return of sacrifices. So this is, um, we're seeing this. Again, this was not done even just a few decades ago. But now there's a real push and a real interest in reestablishing what is known as the third temple, right? There was uh, Solomon's temple, uh, and then the, the current state of the temple, but they want to rebuild the temple. Okay, for the purpose of sacrificing. 
Let's jump, guys. I, I want to jump. Sorry, um, kids back there. I want to jump to Numbers 19.2. It's further down in the list I gave you. Numbers 19.2. It's relating to the sacrifices. Let's read it. Oh, Numbers 19.2. Numbers 19.2 is talking about the rules or the Levitical laws about sacrifice. Nope, not yet. <laughs> and we're looking for a particular animal to be sacrificed, and it's called a red heifer. So it's to be completely red in its coat, and it's to be spotless, right, like any sacrifice. No, um, no spots, no um, damages, no irregularities about this animal. This red heifer has to be perfect, and um, it, it can't do any work either. It's to be allowed to live as God intended it to live, just to go and not be used for any farm work. So this, here it is, given to the Jews in num Numbers 19.2. It says, this is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord has commanded, saying, speak to the children of Israel, that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come. So there was, just a few years ago, uh, a red heifer born here in the United States, and that man was in Nebraska, and he has dealt with Israel to breed this particular type of animal on a regular basis for Israel, and they've taken it to Israel that that uh, red heifer, heifer can be bred in Israel. Now, this makes complete sense if they're looking to um, perform sacrifices as a way of offerings again. And this is to be done during the tribulation period. The preparation for these things are happening. And one article that I read said that the Israel, they have been looking for this. People in Israel that are part of this Temple Mount restoration have been looking for this red heifer. And they have looked and many have come to them, but they've been some kind of disqualification for some reason. But they have had, to this point, nine previous red heifers be presented, and they are hoping now, looking for the tenth red heifer. And when the tenth red heifer comes, in Jewish tradition, they believe that the Messiah will come. Right? So you see how all of these are fitting together. They are looking for a Messiah. They're building their offerings, their altars, their temple again. They're preparing the offerings. They're preparing the sacrifices, all getting ready so that when that tenth heifer appears, they believe the Messiah will come. The Messiah has come, right? <laughs> he came in the form of a baby at Christmas, we celebrate, right? And now they miss that, but they're still continuing to look. It may be that this Messiah coming will actually indicate the rapture of the church and the beginning of the tribulation. Woo, you guys sticking with me? Woo, this is a lot of brainy stuff, right? <laughs> it's fun. I like it. Let's go back now, guys. Thanks for going ahead to that. I wanted to put the temple mount and the sacrifice together. Okay. Actually, girls, I'm sorry. Um, 2 Thessalonians 2. It was right after the numbers, too. Let's talk about that one, too. Where did it go? Okay. 
Yes, talking more about the temple rebuild. Here it comes. Oh, nope. No, it's not here. Second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. So there is a growing temple movement in Israel today. Thousands of Jews are working together to rebuild the third temple. And the altar there, they have already built a practice one, I guess you would say. So they've built a practice one. And they are requesting, um, it was denied them last year. They requested, could we at Easter um, do a sacrifice, an actual sacrifice on e- that Easter or Passover weekend for them. And they were denied, but you see that they're making the request that this be done, even as late as last year, 2019. All right, so what does the scripture say? Second Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. It says, let no one deceive you by any means. This is Paul talking to the church. Okay, remember, there's two groups we're talking about. Israel, all of these signs are for Israel. It's after the church leaves. Remember, we're talking about the second coming today. All the signs that are given for Israel that they might know um, Jesus, might know the Lord. Okay, this is Paul to the church. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, or the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember how we said that the man of lawlessness, the ruler, would allow them to sacrifice for three and a half years, but then he would put something on that altar to desecrate the altar? It talks about it right here in 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, that that God, he would sit on the God, he would sit as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That will be a desecration. They will think that they have had peace and had a treaty with this man, this ruler, but three and a half years later, this is what's going to happen. Something that will desecrate the altar, desecrate the temple, he'll set himself up in the temple of God. All fascinating stuff. All right. Okay. Everybody sticking with me? Woo! We're in school. We're in school today. (laughs) Hmm, okay. Let's talk about um, a famous um, idea. Everybody knows about this and is looking for it. That is of one world government. Mm Mm-hmm. This is Revelation 17, 12 and 13. Thank you, Esther. The phrase one world government is not in the Bible, (laughs) right? You can't go in the Bible and find one world government. However, the Bible does talk about both a one-world government and currency that will exist under the rule of the Antichrist in the last days. So if you've seen movements back when uh, Europe all switched their individual monies and went to euros, there was talk about it then, right? We're moving towards one-world government. And people were beginning to pay attention. All the individual nations gave up their currency and, and accepted the euro. Yeah, and so everybody started to talk about it then. That was what, like early 2000s, I don't remember. But there is reference to that in the scripture. Let's read it in Revelation 17, 12 through 13. It says, And the ten kings who have not yet received royal power, these are ten leaders of nations during the tribulation. These ten kings who have not yet received their royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour, Together with the beast, verse 13, these are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. So although these ten have 
their individual authorities and their individual powers. They only are ruling and exist to give their authority and their power to the beast, or we can say to that ruler, right? Okay, so this is indicative of, yes, there are rulers and powers, but they're all serving one ideal, one person, okay? So (laughs) we can see this today, and when we talk about it, we can see uh, that which is it's really interesting, we're seeing it really big, that which talks about liberty and freedom, which are principles in the scripture, and that Christ died for our freedom, that you might be free. And then there are other concepts who rage against that idea and want um, uh, everybody to be a conglomerate. When you see that, we're talking about two ideologies, and there are going to be in full effect during the tribulation. Okay, let's also look at Daniel 7, 14, concerning one world government. Daniel 7, 14. Yep. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. It's talking again of the tribulation after the church is raptured and gone. We have, as, as we read last week, that's what um, Paul told the church, don't worry you're going to be gone. The spirit will go. The tribulation will happen for seven years. There will be a ruler, and he'll have dominion, glory, kingdom. All the people's nations and languages will serve him. All right. Okay, let's move to predatory birds. This is exciting. I, <laughs> do I have scientists in here? People, uh, if, if Brandon were here, he'd love this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, the Lathams have a son in Georgia, and he would love this little section, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, Israel is a highway. It's called a superhighway for birds. Um, who was it? Are you here? Let's see. Yeah, Maureen, you guys were in, um, what, Virginia, South Carolina? South Carolina, and she got to see all the migrating um, monarch butterflies that were heading to Mexico. And I saw her picture, and I said, in 2012, Joseph and I were in Virginia Beach. We were driving back up, and we were in the middle of this path of butterflies. There were monarch butterflies all over the place, and we were driving right through them. It's pretty special. The end of September, the beginning of October, if you want to see that, go to the, uh, to, to the east coast down Virginia and North Carolina and South Carolina. But animals have migration paths, and birds are running through Israel from every direction. It's a crossroads for Europe, so European birds, it's a crossroads for Asian birds, it's a crossroads for African birds. So they're all called like a superhighway for birds. Pretty amazing. Well, what does this have to do with anything? Uh, it's a gathering point. So they say that at any one, given point in a year, there's 500 million birds that pass through this area. Incredible. Well, just in 2009, there were 172 species of predatory, like raptor types of birds, that arrived in Israel. They just kind of decided this is where they were going to stay. And this was featured on Animal Planet back in 2009. And these birds just came and decided, we're going to live right here in Israel. Well, what for? Does it, come on, is there a purpose to this? Let's check it out. Ezekiel 39.4 is the answer. We've got two, two scriptures for this. Ezekiel 39, 4 says, You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops. So it sounds like a battle, right? You will fall on the mountains, you and all your troops. And the peoples who are with you, everybody who followed you, 
your army, you, and all the people who followed you are all going to lie, fall upon the mountains of, the, of Israel. I will give you to the birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. What is this talking about? This is talking about what we call Armageddon or the Ezekiel 38 war. So this is during the time of tribulation where the nations will, will side up <laughs> and God will come and he says that they will fall on the mountains. So all of this will be done. They'll fall on the mountains and it says that there'll be birds of prey and you will be fed to the birds of prey. Remember how I said, Jesus said, I'm coming with a shout and I'm coming with a trump that says I'm starting a campaign. This is the end of the campaign <laughs> right here. And there are birds already present in Israel, unlike in the last, what did I say, 2009. So the last 11 years, they just showed up. So there are lots of things that are increasingly fulfilling in the scriptures that point to the second coming. But the second coming, remember, is seven years after the rapture. So we've got to be ready. Are you guys ready? Woo! Right? You guys, do you ever do that when you go, let's do rapture practice. And you, I've got heels, I can't do it, but you try to jump as high as you can, right? <laughs> Rapture practice. I like Kristen last week, she goes, there are two trains going out, and I'm on the first one. I like that. That was good. There are two trains, and I'm on the first. Amen. Let's look at Revelation 19 about the birds. It says, then I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God. So not only was this battle talked about in Ezekiel, but it's also talked about in Revelation. Okay, this same instant incident. Okay. And the last two things I'm going to talk about is the mark of the beast. We know that. That is, uh, we know the technology exists for that, Right? People have already taken a chip into their hand or whatever. So the technology is here. I'm not saying that's the mark of the beast per se, but I'm saying the technology is here. We're ready for it. Okay. <laughs> I really got myself mixed up here. Okay, the mark of the beast. Let's look at Revelation 13, 16, and 17. Revelation 13, 16, and 17. So the mark of the beast is a symbol, and it really shows loyalty to the Antichrist or to the man of lawlessness. It's loyalty to this type of thinking. So although we don't see the person of the Antichrist yet, because we're going to be gone, right? It, then, after the church goes, then the man of lawlessness will appear, right? We won't see, but we can see that the world is preparing for this, right? They're preparing for this, to follow this thinking, to follow this conglomerate, to follow this one leader. And so it's here. The technology is here. So it's a symbol of loyalty to the Antichrist. You, and the Bible says you won't be able to buy or sell anything without this mark. So if you want to eat, this mark is going to be, it's going to be, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a matter of convenience. It's going to be a temptation of convenience. For those who would follow Christ, it's not going to be convenient. <laughs> so um, that is for those who are, remain. Again, for those of us who are alive and remain, who are following hard after Christ and live in his church, we are out of here with the Holy Spirit during the rapture. This is following during the tribulation. Okay, so the technology is available today. Let's look at Revelation 13, 16. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, that's everybody, to receive a mark on their right hand 
or on their foreheads, verse 17, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Okay, that's good. And the last thing I want to talk about, again, there might be a lead up to this. You guys remember last week when I said it won't be very pretty <laughs> when it's time for us to go, that God said that he's going to snatch that word for catch up. He'll catch us up. is like harpoon. He's going to snatch us right up. Remember how I talked about that last week? It could be that this has something to do with it where there is that decision to be made and whoop, we don't have to make that decision because <laughs> he's coming for us. So I'm telling you, just be looking to the Lord in all of these things. Just look to him. Say, come on and snatch me, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah, snatch me. Right, okay. And the last thing we'll talk about is two witnesses. Maybe if you've seen movies about the end times during the tribulation, you see these two sackcloth prophets running around. Has anybody watched end time movies? Left Behind, yeah, any of that stuff? Yeah, you'll see these two, two people running around, and they're proclaiming the Lord in the middle of all of this, in their sackcloth. And uh, let's read about that. These two witnesses will be around, and people can hear them. People can hear the, word, the, the message of the Lord. It says, uh, oh, where are we? I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Zechariah 4, 11 through 14. This is in the ESV version, yes. So this is um, Zechariah. Zechariah um, is having a conversation with an angel, in Zechariah 4, he says, Then I said to him, What are these two olive trees on the right of left of the lampstand? And a second time I said to him, What are these two branches of the olive trees, which are beside the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? What does oil represent in Scripture, guys? The Holy Spirit, right? Right, the anointing, right? The anointing of the Holy Spirit. So he's asking about, what are, what are these? The angel said to me, Do you not... Do you not know, I should say, what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then said the angel, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So Zechariah is being revealed, being revealed to him as a prophet, the idea of these two men who will be anointed of God and will be present in the time of the tribulation preaching about Jesus, about God the Father, be preaching with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Let's look also at Revelation 11, verses 3 and 4. It says, so again, why am I showing you both Old and New Testament? To show that this has been told of for a very long time, for thousands of years, and revelation has not yet happened. So we have John, who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He was visited and had the revelation of end times, and that's what this is about. And he, again, he sees, John sees the same thing that was told Zechariah thousands of years before. I will give power to my two witnesses. They will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Verse 4. These are the two olive trees, there it is, and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Okay, so these, I've just listed out for you a number of signs that either have been fulfilled or we feel the building up to that. Don't, that's what I'm saying. We're living in a time where it's a time of preparation for these types of fulfillments to happen. And so 
if this is the case that we're beginning to see signs of the second coming for Israel and the nations, seven years prior is the rapture. And so we've got to be prepared that he could come any minute. <laughs> and it's a joy to our hearts because what do we say? Do not fear. The Lord has saved. He saved us. Jesus' name means God saves. I think what the application of all of this is to us, we talked a, bit about, a little bit about it last week, is 1 John 3, 2. I don't know if you kids have that back there. Can you put 1 John 3, 2 up? Excuse me. Oh, not yet. 1 John 3, 2. Yeah, oh, it says basically when we see him, we will be like him, right? We are going to see him. And the idea is that you, in verse uh, 3, I believe, well, it's not getting there. Maybe I'll look it up in my Bible. How about that? That's what it's for. <laughs> First John two, uh, 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we will be like him. Remember it said that we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And the moment that we hear that sound and we're caught up in the air, we will be changed in the twinkling of the Lord. Into what? It does not appear what we will be, but we know that when we, he shall appear, we will be like him. Hallelujah. For we shall see him as he is. In verse 3, every man that has this hope, that's me, right? I have this hope. He's coming back. Very soon, every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. There's going to come a day when we look into the face of Jesus, and we won't see any difference. It'll be Jesus, it'll be me, and it will look just exactly the same. So why should we wait for that moment? The Bible's encouraging us in this urgency of this time, in these last days, that we should purify ourselves now. This is why we go to the Word, right? We look into the, we wash ourselves, cleanse ourselves with the water of the word. We look into the mirror, hallelujah, that the word is, and we're purifying ourselves. Why? So that our image matches that of the Savior. Because that's where we're going anyway, so why delay? Let's get started, right? <laughs> that's how I feel. I'm not waiting for heaven for everything to happen, right? We talk about that all the time. He came that the kingdom, the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. So I'm not waiting for some day by and by for everything to get right. I'm purifying myself now, knowing that this could happen anytime. We want that his kingdom come, his will be done. Right here on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. So that's the application of this, that we're ready. We're purifying ourselves. We're looking to represent Christ to the world. We're here with a do not be afraid on our mouths, right, on our tongues. We're here encouraging people and comforting each other with the knowledge that Jesus has come, and Jesus means God, is, God saves. Hallelujah. So give your heart to Jesus. So it only seems right to me now, in this moment, to ask any of you, if you have not given your life to Jesus, if you have not uh, surrendered yourself to his kingdom. That is his way of doing and his uh, way of being and doing right. That's what we're all about. He comes inside of us and he changes us into his very image. Like I said earlier, we're no longer just a lady or we're no longer uh, just a person of color. We're no longer just that. We are God's people. We don't identify anymore with just those things. Those are earthly, fleshly. We're talking about identity with Christ, and that comes by making him the Lord of your life. He comes to dwell inside of you, 
and you dwell inside of him. And you know, the things that are characteristic, remember whenever you were a baby, you grew up, and all of a sudden people say, oh, you look like your dad. What happened? The, those things on the inside <laughs> move to the outside and make you look like somebody else. Well, Jesus comes to live inside of us. He dwells inside of us, and that works itself out so that we become and look like him. Hallelujah. So there, is there anyone here who wants to be prepared and ready, who has not given their life to Christ? Would you just raise your hand, and we'll pray for you right here. Anybody at all? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The life of God dwelling inside of me and working its way out. Hallelujah. Causing me to live like, talk like, look like Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. We'll just believe that you all are alive to God in Christ. And now we're ready to go and tell everybody this good news. Amen. 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 Woo, that's a lot that's of a stuff. Lot. Oh, can you put up, Esther? The references, if you guys, there were three primary references I used. Sorry, sweetie. So, yeah, the last slide. So if you want to study any of this, if you want to look at what I looked at, you can take a picture of this. Um, I particularly like uh, Joseph Morris, edu.josephmorris.com. Maybe some of you have seen him at some of the Generation Summits that we've hosted and been at. Rick Renner, Renner Ministries. And then Liberty, Liberty University has a lot of information about the rapture. And so you can look at that as well. Awesome. I love that he wants us to know this stuff. Yes, he and he's not keeping secrets from us. He's revealing everything. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.